Causing the Effect, a podcast focused on the exploration of your mind, body, and spirit. Danny Grease, what's going on, brother? How you feeling? I am very well, sir. Thank you very much for having me. No, man. Thank you for being here. But I'm excited. I've been waiting to talk to Danny. I was telling him that we've had um, some female tr- kind of trauma experts on. Today's going to be really focusing on trauma. And, um, you know, I know for a couple years there, Danny, you struggled with anxiety, low self-esteem. Um, when did you start making the turn? And how much of trauma played a part in this piece? I, I know it's always a, a kind of the roots of of the issues with most of us. So. Yeah, I think it was a case of when I was struggling with various different things and anxiety was one of the big ones, I wasn't aware that there could be any traumas contributing towards it. Like I I didn't really think about it. I just knew that I had these issues that I was trying to sort by myself, which wasn't going as successfully as I'd like. And it was actually when I started to go outside myself and I spoke to a couple of people to actually learn a little bit more about how the mind works and then all of a sudden I was met with this like flurry of emotion and then specific moments came back and then it started to piece together so I certainly understand people when they say I've got these symptoms but I don't know what the cause is because I don't think we naturally put the two and two together and Trauma can be one of those big events that Mm -hmm. probably everyone can think about. But for the majority of people, it's actually those smaller traumas that accumulate over time that actually cause us to get stuck. So I think it seeps into our life in so many different ways. How do you think um, the mind stores a traumatic event? And what, what does that mean for you? And how did you end up holding on to it? For me... This comes back to which I believe will be groundbreaking in sort of the world of trauma care. And it's the concept known as emotional memory images. And this is what dramatically changed my life in a very short space of time. And I don't definitely wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't know about it. And essentially, it works along the idea that whenever we're involved in an incident or an event or even a set of circumstances that has an intense emotional charge as a safety mechanism our mind takes a snapshot of everything that's going on Mm -hmm. and then it stores it subconsciously in the form of this emotional memory image so that whenever we go into the future if our mind can link what we're going through now to that original event the stress response gets triggered and we get flooded full of these chemicals primarily as a protective response. So understanding this emotional memory images concept is I think what will change trauma care going forwards. Wow. No, that's powerful. And I, and I know um, the when going backwards in, in anything, it ends up being difficult. And some people just say, use traditional talk therapy. And that's, a, it's a beautiful thing. I think it has its uses, but in today's day and age, I feel like there's a potential for more powerful techniques that we are discovering that that you just mentioned. Um, now, 
you went to a um a neurosurgeon specializing in psychology is that accurate like a master hypnotist this was the first well initially i because i used to work as a physical therapist mm -hmm. so i was working with people in chronic pain and i was trying to identify what was going on in the nervous system that was causing these issues and at the time, I also had some chronic pain in my shoulder. So I was, you know, as everyone's doing, trying to learn about themselves while helping mm -hmm. other people. And this neurosurgeon actually just brought me to the front to do a bit of an assessment on me. And he quite quickly revealed that actually I had a lot of emotional issues that possibly could have been contributing to my pain. And it was at that point where I had all these memories come back from when I was younger and parents divorce and being bullied and just these moments all came flooding back. And that's when I started to work with sort of the hypnotist and sort of the cognitive therapist to actually start to work through them. So it wasn't that I was actively looking for a solution at that point. It was just presented to me. And felt. then I, yeah, exactly. Wow. No, that's cool. And, and I, I asked because, I'd say I got a lot of repression from my childhood. And when I started down this journey, I started doing a lot of work with the cerebral spinal fluid and Dr. Joe Dispenza and the big breath, Kundalini breath. And this, um, when I was really focused in meditation, I had this weird memory pop up and I'll give you the quick rundown Dan. that my father disappeared when I was six years old. He went to the witness protection program, mafia stuff, all this stuff. And this thing popped up in my mind of my father being pulled away from me from the cops. And I'm like, Oh, you just, you've watched too many movies, Scott. Like what, you know, this, this isn't right. And then a couple years later, my aunts confirm and they're like, do you remember what happened? Like your father got pulled from you. And I was like, Oh my God. Like there's so many memories that got stored here that are just not. And I'm sure you probably felt that kind of feeling over Absolutely. and over it was such um it's like you lived a part of your life that you have the feelings for and from but not even quite aware of it it's such um it's, it's a it's a mind-blowing thing and i think the important thing here is that we actually do have access to the content so it's not that we lose it but as you mentioned we often suppress it and so we even need to be in the ideal state to be able to access it and we need to know what questions to ask to actually bring that to the front of our mind. So we're rather elegantly designed in the fact that if something is painful, our mind will help us blur it out, but it doesn't blur out the effects of it. And that's why it's so important. Yes, exactly. Now, now this comes down to the subconscious mind. How, what are the most effective ways to influence, to change? Is it possible to change the subconscious mind? How do we get back and resolve those past uh, traumas? It's really, first of all, as I touched on a moment ago, actually, which is a nice segue. So thank you for that. <laughs> I got and it's you. Really about, <laughs> and it's really about the questions that we ask. So the lovely thing about our nervous system is that all of us communicates. So our vocal tone, our body language, the words that we say, the positions that our eyes move in, all of us is communicating what's going on internally. But when you're in it and you're struggling with those emotions, it can be so difficult to get any clarity in terms of what's going on. Whereas just like you and me are doing now, when we're working with someone external to us, they can then start to feed things back to us, which then invite us to go in deeper. And it's actually that self-exploration, but in a guided safe way that can lead us to the moments where the, the pain happened. And for the majority of the time, we'll store a trauma if it's judged. Mm. 
So if we judge it as being all bad, all negative, all painful, then our mind stores that judgment and then we'll start to scan our environment for it. When we can turn those events into learning opportunities or things that push us to grow or things that make us more responsible, then that allows us to disconnect that emotional charge and then it turns into just a memory rather than a trauma. Mm, so it's not so much of an investigation of this repressed feeling. It's more of opening yourself up to it in a way. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, it's it's feeling safe to explore something that you know is going to be a little bit emotional. And that's why it's so important to have someone with you who's skilled in doing it. Because we can all do personal development Unfortunately, with trauma, sometimes you can land on something that you don't know how to manage by yourself. So when you've got that feedback system with you, then it makes trauma a much safer thing to explore. But we have all the answers inside of ourselves, but often we need a bit of help to get to the answer. And what what, what was what would you say like it looked like for you this first time it was um, exposed to you? Somebody, I, I believe you have to be hidden. Is, in a hypnotic state where you're kind of open and you're aware, but you're like, what was that like for you? So it doesn't have to be uh, a deep hypnotic state. Just a relaxed conversational mm -hmm. state is absolutely fine. And essentially I was talking through some of the symptoms that I was having. And then I was asked, was there any particular moment that came to mind or any moment that I could think of? And in that split second, I was transported back into my living room where my mum and dad told us they were separating and divorcing. And it was there. I was in that moment again, almost like it was just a movie clip inside my head. And as soon as I connected to that emotion, tears came flooding out. The snot came down. You know, it, it wasn't mm -hmm. pretty. It was it was full Technicolor. And then I was just like, I had no idea that was there. And then I thought, okay, now I know it's there. Now I have to do something about it. I can't, I can't leave that. And it was then I thought, right, how does this thing that we call the mind, how does it work? And how does that, how can I get it to work for me? Hmm. Now, and this piece, I always look at life. There's these couple phases, particularly in our space. There's the, the present moment, meditation. We have those tools. Then there's the, the future, personal development, setting goals, journaling. Then trauma comes in the past. And this is the one I always slip up on, Dan. I think it's it's the, the hardest one to do. How much do you think curing the trauma from the past will flow through the present moment into the your, your future personal developments? Absolutely, 100%. So if we think about one of the, the most widely accepted model of how the brain works, this is called predictive coding. And predictive coding essentially says that every activity we do requires energy. So in order to help us survive, what our brain does is predict how much energy we'll need when we go into certain situations and certain experiences. And in order to make that prediction, it uses our past experiences as a reference guide to determine what's most likely to happen. So if you have those traumas in the past, they are informing the brain that that type of event is likely to happen in the future. So then your nervous system gets flooded with the chemicals that will ready you and prepare you for that type of experience. 
But what that actually means in the present is you've got all of this excess hormones, all of this excess energy that manifests in anxiety and stress that you don't actually need. So when we resolve those traumas, we actually clear that kind of backlog and it allows our brain to make more accurate predictions. And so we feel that stable, familiar female feel, feeling much more regularly. No, because, you know, there's a lot of different tools people use and you could do your massages, you can do your cryotherapy, you can do. But I feel like, you know, when you get in the deprivation tank, you have you're stressed out the week later like there has to be a more a better way to to go deeper and be more permanent in in a sense where you're able to to look at everything and say oh okay this is where it's coming from yeah it's the difference between using strategies to help cope with the emotions compared to using tools to neutralize the emotion mm. so what we'll often do and self-care is often something that's promoted a lot now but self-care is ideally something that you do proactively to keep yourself well rather than to try and cope with all the problems from the past so i think it's about first of all having the courage to go there because it's unpleasant for a lot of people to even think about but when we can actually process those traumas so that they're done then we can really think about thriving and moving forward to that future that we want to create without all of that baggage of the past there. And when you've, or maybe you've seen people experience this, not only an event or a trauma is involved, but I would assume that there is that negative thinking somewhere instilled in you, whether it be your worth, you're ugly, you're overweight. I deal with the overweight and ugly one, the self-worth thing. That piece sounds even more important. Like go back and be like, oh, well, this is where it was kind of implemented and this is how we're going to go about changing it. Yeah. And we form these beliefs and these judgments in snap second moments. And then we learn that response and we keep replaying that response over and over again. The wonderful thing about our mind is although we can learn a fear response in a very short space of time, we can also unlearn it in a very short space of time. So it's about disconnecting and releasing all of those old behavior patterns, those old internal dialogues. But to try and do it when you're in it is really difficult. So what we want to do is create the space where we can explore where that came from we can update that information and then move with a new belief going forwards. And for, for you, what was, I guess the, the path that you took here to get to, to trauma, what made you want to, to be the trauma expert that piece? Did you, did you feel that this was the most important essence to fix all these other things that we've been discussing? Yes. So when I finally got to that point, I was 27 um, I'd been single all the way through that time, despite having so many attempts to find a relationship. But for whatever it was, just something wasn't connecting for me. I couldn't build that relationship that I wanted. And so 27, I was a little bit overweight. I was low in confidence. I was anxious. And I was just thinking, right, what is wrong with me? I had one session to work on a previous trauma. And then 10 days later, I met my wife. And for me, that was just like, if I can do that in 10 days, what would then happen if I work through some of the other stuff? So I went from being 
alone feeling upset overweight to being in the relationship i've always wanted we now have a son and all of that stemmed from the work on trauma so for me it was just the most valuable thing that i felt i could share because it made such a difference for me wow yeah and i feel like the what, what the 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 results are here if the people are if you believe it it's going to it's going to happen you have to have an open mind to this stuff i think the journey for guys like us is letting other people who are a little bit in disbelief of it have these conversations be like, well, some people are here, oh, this is, you know, wacky magic stuff. And the truth is that it works in some way. And, and for me, I've done some of this work with more of a surrendering process and letting go. I don't know if you read the book by Richard Dawkins, but it's part of these things. It's not so much adding pieces. I feel like in, in the West in America, this is what we try to do. You got to add courage and be tough. And it's like, no, no, it's about really letting go and unveiling more of the, yes. the traumas and these interesting things that we deal with without knowing yeah and i think one of our one of our most important tools is curiosity mm -hmm. so for those people who are already in interested in personal development it's really easy to become curious about the next strategy or the next method but if you are in a place where actually it doesn't resonate with you if you're not curious in any way then you're not going to explore so it just takes a tiny little bit of curiosity to open that door and then all sorts of things can change. So I'd probably say it's probably the most um, important starting point to just be curious and to, as you say, be open about what could happen, experience it for yourself, and then you can make your own judgment. And and I think, listen, technology has done a lot of great things for us, but you know we've seen the negatives of social media. We've seen the negatives of the technology kind of, speeding past psychology and philosophy. And I, I think now is an interesting, because I feel like um, when people ask about enlightenment and meditation, it's, it's more about the absence of thought. And I feel like overthinking is just, we all, we deal with it every day. And, and these tools are popping up for certain reasons because it's people torturing themselves about these, <laughs> whatever your trauma is or the, your thoughts are or this or that. And it's, it's an interesting time where science is catching up with ancient wisdom and technology. Yes. And I think there's no surprise that in the time of depression being at an all time high, you have craziness going on with COVID, like trauma experts are popping up. And, and now it's, like, I know in 40, 50 years, like this will be a component of somebody's health, your trauma. We, we, I don't know what, where we got off on the wrong foot here, but if you understood this about yourself 15, 20 years ago, where, where would it be? What would you look like? It, it's, it's just oh, fantastic. What, what a difference right? that could make. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the lovely thing about a lot of it is that the science is now providing us with a framework for why those ancient techniques used to work or why mm -hmm. they do work. And then that opens ideas up for new areas of research, which then opens more avenues for how we can improve things. So we're at that lovely stage where sort of the science and the philosophy are dovetailing nicely. And I think it's only going to lead to it becoming a more prominent part of people's lives. Now, did this, did this piece that we're talking about, was this being done in the past and renamed something from the Tibetans or somewhere in the East, or is this brand new kind of work that you think we're doing? It was first mentioned by a French hypnotist called Hippolyte Bernheim. Uh, I think you'll agree a very fabulous name. There. I love that. So, <laughs> yeah. And he noticed that when individuals were talking about a problem that they had, that their eyes would fixate on a certain point. And he just kept noticing this connection between problem issue and eye fixation. 
And whether it was because they didn't have the resources to investigate it or research it, but he also had another element to his work that was also taking off. So this eye fixation point kind of got left in the textbook and then it wasn't really explored or continued for quite a while. And then about 30 years ago, uh, there was a gentleman in Newcastle in the north of England and he was born with conductive deafness, so he couldn't hear anything at all, but he was very good at observing that was go what was going on around him. And he quickly noticed that when people were talking about their issues, even though he couldn't hear the language, he could see what they were doing with their eyes. And then he started to build this body of work. And then over time, the science has come in to, to validate it and back it up. And that's kind of almost reignited the work from our good friend Hippolyte Bernheim. Mm. Uh, that's just, maybe I'll name my son Hippolyte. You never, never know. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I love talking to guys like yourself because there's always some sort of routine, or and I, and I just I steal a little bit of everybody's routine in the morning. What is what is Dad when you wake up? What are you doing? So I have composed for myself a specific meditation that I do each morning. Um, so I purchased a, a theta brainwave track. So that's kind of like the hypnotic brainwave state that we want to go into. And then first of all, I'll do some specific breathing exercises. So eutonic breathing, where the ratio of in-breath to out-breath is the same. And that really quickly balances the nervous system down. Then I'll go into a place of appreciation. So think about someone or something that I appreciate. I visualize my goals for the next year, five years, and 10 years. And then I have sort of some inspirational quotes that I'll sort of reflect on. So that's kind of the morning routine. The thing that has made the biggest difference for me is that each morning I'll ask myself in the last day, what's one thing that's happened to support me? And then I'll ask what's one thing that's challenged me and how is that going to help me move forwards? And what I've found is the more that I can turn challenges into fuel to move me forwards, the less you'll get stuck with anxiety or stress because you can see things are actually helping you move forwards rather than holding you back. So if I could give any one tip or tool, it would be that five minute exercise because over the course of a few months, you really turn into resilient to stress. Yeah. And I like you're, you're going right into theta when you wake right up because i believe are we is that the is that what we what we're in when we're sleeping or is that beta? i feel like that's a that's the way to start the day and kind of get yeah so we've got delta is sleep and then sort of theta is just above that so in the early morning there's like a little window mm -hmm. um where we're sort of at our most suggestible so by accessing that window and then applying some ideas or tools i i think we can maximize that period of time yeah, and this doesn't seem like it's a you're not sitting there for two hours doing this. That's pretty efficient. Yeah, mine's ten minutes. Ten minutes. Beautiful. Have you ever heard of, yeah. of, of the six phase meditation by Vishen Lakhiani? Absolutely. Yeah, yes. That's, yes. That's, yes. There's so, pieces of that, and that's beautiful. That's beautiful. See, I'm trying to I gotta minimize mine because it's like an hour and a half every day, but I like what mine stems from the eight limbs of yoga, which is starting up with asana, the posturing, then breath work, then your focused yeah. meditation. And it's like I just, you know, need to that that 10, 10 minutes is, is perfect. Yeah, I like that you you do things efficiently, Dan. Because yeah. the, <laughs> the the last book, um, accelerated trauma resolution. 
another yes. another way to get us where we got to go quick. I, see, you're, you'd be a good New Yorker, Danny. I'm telling you. <laughs> how, how did uh, how did that book um, come up for you? Well, it really came from what was going through my mind when I first reached out to get some help. And I think a, a lot of men will also appreciate this, that sometimes when we have a problem, the one thing we don't really want to do is talk about it and maybe go and speak to someone who we don't really know and then explain all of our problems and our feelings. I think that's a big challenge for a lot of people and it actually prevents a lot of men in particular from actually getting help. So when I reached the point where I have to get help, I was like, right, I have to now. I wanted to look at what were the ways that I could do it that didn't involve that talking therapy approach and that didn't involve months or even years of my life. And that's what led me to working with these emotional memory images. And after I met my wife after 10 days, I was like, okay, this, this is fast. So I just started following that track and we can achieve really, really significant results in a much faster time than we give ourselves credit for, but we have to have the right tools to be able to get, to get us there. Dan, are you giving, am I reading this right? You're giving away a PDF and audio for free of this book? Absolutely. What? Yeah. Come on, we got to we got to so, charge people yeah. some dollars for this, Dan. This is, this is, that's money in the making. That's su such a nice little gesture. So it just means that you can get the tools and you can either listen to it or read it straight away. And then the biggest bit of feedback that people give me is after having gone through it, people say, oh, now it makes sense. Because I think when we have an understanding of how something works, it's not quite so scary. And there isn't much more scary than mental health. Like if you're on the inside of it, it can be a pretty terrifying place. Mm -hmm. So having a framework which allows it to make sense seems to be giving people um, a good amount of confidence that they can do it. So I just want to get it to as many people as possible. That That's wonderful. Man. Now, as, as far as I feel like the way that you're trying to do this is for the masses and it's going to be easy to understand methods. It's going to be quick. It's going to be efficient. Like what? what is Danny's five-year plan? What is your 10-year plan? And then most importantly, like what is this overarching mission that drives you um, as you wake up every day and push forward? The mission in terms of the personal level for me is to really help keep families together, to help people find peace within themselves and to prevent multi-generational trauma. So that trauma that's passed on from father to son to grandson. So that's kind of, and that's included in my daily meditation, just that little idea, because that's the thing that means the most to me. And when I look at the people at the top of the field, so the person who springs to mind for me is Bessel van der Kolk. So that wonderful book, The Body Keeps the Score, the strategies and the tools that they use to work with trauma to me are really still quite ineffective. They're based on mindfulness. And I heard Van der Kolk once say the purpose of psychotherapy is to tolerate the feelings in our body. And for me, that just isn't quite enough. I don't think we need to tolerate those feelings. I think we need to deal with those feelings and resolve them. So in terms of sort of a five-year and a 10-year, I think when we can get these types of models that can help people much faster than current 
therapy will allow us to, I think that will then go on to change the landscape of trauma care. So that's kind of the the, the North Star mission in the future. Beautiful, man. What would you say if you could suggest one or two books for a young man or woman listening that's a little they're 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 in the space but they're not obviously as deep as you what what are a couple books that you would suggest that really changed the game for you one that i would highly recommend is by dr d martini called the values factor and for me that gives us a really clear model about why we behave the way that we do so if we can understand actually what's driving our behavior then we can apply tools to modify it where we want to. So I think one of the most common ideas that people talk about is I'm sabotaging myself Mm -hmm. or I'm constantly holding myself back. Whereas when I went through the values factor book, I realized that actually that's not self-sabotage. I've just got a strategy for something else. And then I learned how to change that strategy and I propelled myself forwards. So that was a really big one for me to just to understand like the basics of what drives our human behavior. So that was probably the one that I would say is the most practical that we could use. And in terms of a follow-up book, I would also recommend one book that's called Transactional Analysis. That's a really simple and easy to use framework for how we get into negative emotional states. And this is quite an old book. I think it originated in the 1950s. Um, And it's just a really simple model for helping us to label how and why we're doing certain things. So as you can see, I like things that give me a model that I can then sort of implement for myself. No, and shout out to to Doctor Demartini. He's come on a couple times by this point. I'm, I'm a I'm a big. He was like one of the guys I had written down in the book. Like people will come on, <laughs> yeah. and he comes on. And now he's like, can I come on again? I'm like, of course you can come on whenever you want. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's great. What do you got coming up in the future, Danny? Any any big news or books or like what, what are you thinking about? What's going on? Well, my primary mission at the moment is to spread this work as much as I can, which is why I've made uh, the book freely available. I'm actually uh, presenting this week at the annual mental health and psychiatry summit, where I'll be sharing this model on a bigger stage. So that's really exciting. And it's just about continuing with this message that we can work with trauma faster than we think, and just helping people to connect with that. Beautiful. And um, everybody, you could find Danny's all the information below. We're going to put a link to the accelerated trauma resolution. I know I'm trying all this stuff, Danny. You got me. You got me hooked. So um, <laughs> I just I, I really appreciate your time and everything you're doing. And um, just reach out to him. If you can't get to Danny, reach out to me. And um, that's it, man. Thank you so much. Danny. Yeah, fabulous. And what I'd recommend people do is that at the moment, I'm also providing a, a free survey, like a free assessment. So it takes about four minutes to fill in. It'll ask you some questions about your current symptoms and your history, and then it will give you some more tools to get moving. So um, I'm sure we can put the link in there as well. Yeah. So I'd recommend people invest five minutes in that as well. Absolutely. And I, I can't wait to uh, to just check all this work out. But um, Danny, thank you so, so much again. And um, I think you're really going to be helping a lot of people who are listening to this. I've been getting a lot, a lot of emails about I've had a couple trauma people on. And I got people asking me, like, I passed them off to you guys. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much for having me.
Of course, Danny. Uh, cause and the effect. That, guys, thank you so much. Uh, Danny, this was the biggest month in the history, 100,000 downloads, so I thank you guys so much. Um, let's just keep doing what we're doing. Tell one of your friends about it. That's all I ask from you. As always, stay safe, stay positive, stay blessed. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.